Hey everyone, my name is Jason West, and this is Pod Class. Season 2. We are here. Man, I am excited to share this season with you all. I've got some pretty fantastic guests lined up, and none more fantastic than today's very special guest, the bona fide movie star, TV star. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest today is also an actual Netflix icon, not just because he's got a show on Netflix, but because you can actually select him as your profile icon. My special guest today is none other than Brandon Bell, one of the stars of Dear White People on Netflix, which, if you all aren't following along on Instagram, was just renewed for a fourth and final season. I'm telling you, man, y'all aren't ready for this season. In our conversation, Brandon and I talk about his years as a classroom teacher, how politics and art can and sometimes should be packaged together, and what it's like to act in a sex scene knowing your former students will probably end up seeing it on Netflix. Alright, before I start the show, I'm going to briefly recap my week and share what tea I'm drinking today in a quick segment I'm calling Teacapping the Week with Mr. West, presented by Snapdragon and Thistle. Do you know where your teas come from? Don't worry, Snapdragon and Thistle does. Snapdragon and Thistle prides themselves on sourcing their teas ethically. They've eliminated those pesky middlemen. Ugh, pesky middlemen. After the leaves are picked, your tea makes only two stops before landing at your front door. Snapdragon and Thistle gets the best prices for premium, ethically grown teas, so both your taste buds and your conscience can enjoy your cup of tea. Alright, so today I'm drinking Snapdragon and Thistle's Pomegranate Green Tea. This is an extremely aromatic tea that has an equally fragrant flavor. It's made with pomegranate flavor and rose petals and actually has a base of Japanese sencha, which, by the way, unlike Chinese teas, Japanese teas are steamed rather than pan-fried, so in case you were wondering what the difference was. And as a result... Japanese green teas give off a more vegetal, grassy flavor, whereas Chinese greens are kind of more nutty and roasted in flavor. Anyway, this tea is great for multiple steeps, and if you go on snapdragonandthistle.com and sign up for their newsletter, you will not only learn about teas, but you will also receive 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Get on that. Actually, hold on. Finish this podcast. Then get on it. So. Why am I drinking this tea this week? Well, here's the thing about pomegranate green tea. So I love pomegranates. They're delicious. They're one of my favorite fall foods. And I love green tea. Yet, for some reason, I have long found the idea of drinking pomegranate green tea to be about as enticing as eating sushi-flavored ice cream. Boy, you can really taste the tuna in this. So when the good people at Snapdragon and Thistle sent me this tea, I thought, Hmm, okay, I guess I have to try it now. Gotta keep the sponsors happy, you know? But hey, it's pretty great. Who knew? Well, apparently a lot of people knew, but now I know. And drinking this really got me thinking about this little podcast of mine. People love podcasts, they love comedy, and they love to know about how amazing people are changing lives in our country, especially teachers in the classroom. And yet, I know, I just know there are some people who are out there thinking, A humorous podcast about people in or affected by education? What's next? Sushi-flavored ice cream? So, if you're like me, and you need a bit of coaxing to listen to the show, 
Hey, <laughs> I get it, man. Sometimes the things you love don't always go well together. But sometimes, it's pretty great, if I do say so myself. Anyway, this wasn't exactly a tea cap of the week, but more of a tea culpa for all the judgment I've passed on pomegranate green tea. That's right. You come here for all the celebrity interviews, but you'll stay for my never-ending stream of tea puns. Alright, let's get the show started. But first, a quick fake commercial break. Today's episode is brought to you by Extremely Detailed Sub-Lessons. Are you going to miss school for one day, but you worry that your sub will undo every good habit your students have formed under your guidance? Well, try writing an Extremely Detailed Sub-Lesson. That's right, Extremely Detailed Sub-Lessons. Eh, forget it, just have them watch a movie. Disclosed, <laughs> hidden bunker in yes, West sir. Los Angeles, California. Yes, we are. Brandon Bell. Hey. Here with me. Welcome to the show. Uh, glad to have you, man. We've been circling this for a while. Timing is everything. <laughs> I'm <laughs> but, glad to be here, man. Thanks but, for having but me. But now we're here. Yeah, yeah. So uh, everyone who's listening to the show knows you for, you know, your, your wonderful roles in wow. both TV and film, most notably in Dear White People. Yes, Dear White People. What a lot of people don't know about you is Uh-oh. you, sir, you join the rankings of people like John Hamm and Craig Robinson. Great company to be in. I didn't know that about uh, Craig Robinson. Teachers. Crazy. Teachers before they made it big in Hollywood. Very cool. Shout yeah, out yeah. to teachers. So now here we are. Here we are. Former teacher. Yeah. Current teacher, former Hollywood writer, current Hollywood actor. Current. It's like it's like current. our but it's like our our careers are in reverse. I'm getting older and less in shape. You're looking better and more fit. It's like you know, lies. It's, He's it's being not nice, easy guys. to be around. He's being nice. He's being nice. So you started in teaching. How did you get into teaching? Crazy. Hopefully, it's a funny story. Senior year. USC undergrad, theater major, BA. Shout out to SC, fight on. A yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah, shout out to. Had to, had to. <laughs> to SC. They, they haven't been shouted out in the news at all. They need minus, the press. Minus the scandals. Yeah, <clears throat> they need the press. No, a friend, good friend, man. Uh, John Masiska was theater um, colleague as well. This had to be like March. It was, it was like crunch time. It's like, oh, wow, we graduate in a couple months. What do we do with our lives? I know I wanted to act, but it was like, how do you just do that? I need to make money. Were you a theater major? Theater major. But didn't know how I was going to, like, sustain a living uh, in terms of working and, like, managing auditions. So this guy is like, this is just random, so serendipitous. He was like, hey, B, man, I applied to this, uh, the MAT program. It's a teaching program. Now, I do come from a background of educators. My dad is currently a professor at Northwestern. I think it's a Christian school, university in Minnesota, Minneapolis, not Minneapolis, in Minnesota, mm-hmm. not far from Twin Cities. My mother worked in schools as like an admin. And so um, 
within the office. So it wasn't foreign to me, but he was like, yo, I'm applying to this uh, education program. You should do it too. And I was like, dope, I will. And one of the things he mentioned was like, dude, dude, teachers always get in. There's not enough of us. Extra motivation. <laughs> Real odd situation. Especially male teachers. Not, uh, not, not commonly found. Male teachers of color, even less exactly. commonly found. Yeah, exactly. So he was really pushing this thing. And it was like, you know, again, my background, you know, my dad's a college professor. My mother worked in schools. This wasn't completely out of the Yeah, ordinary. so you have a history of education. I was like, yeah, education. I'm familiar with kids, you know, who aren't my siblings in there the is house. A, there's a large contingency of actors, especially people who have gone on to get notoriety. They, their parents were, at least one of them was an educator. It's, I do know that. It's really an interesting dynamic. It's like, I don't know if it's this I idea of I feel nurtured and I feel sort of, you know, taught to explore and find yeah. the truth of the world. I, I don't know what it is. It makes sense, though. But there is something. Wow. Yeah, and you're right. Like, I do know for out of all the, <laughs> the uh, inside the actor studio uh, interviews I've seen with uh, James Lipton. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember a lot of them saying their teachers were parents, or their 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 parents were teachers, and I was just struck by that. I remember mm. that. You're like same. Yeah, same. Same. That's a mood. So I applied, and knowing me, last day, last hour, the <laughs> educational office was open. I just remember opening the doors. You'll and this, do just fine. In <laughs> this woman was sitting at the the desk. She smiled. I handed it to her shamefully, bashfully, and um, she probably whispered, "You'll be just fine." And then I left, and I heard back pretty early and it was it was an honor it was like oh this is dude you got to take this seriously now mm, this is a yeah, master's yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh the rest is history and it was a, it was an interesting one-year accelerated program that kicked my booty <laughs> um it was intense like we we had to do our um teacher service in mm -hmm. the classroom 7 a.m to about 1 32 and then we would have our classes primarily in the evenings and i was working part-time and so uh, it was one of the toughest years of my life. I almost, in some ways, put acting on the back burner. Mm. But I didn't because I was, this is really funny. And we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about it later. I've always, like, I'm going to write a book at some point on how to make excuses and get to auditions because <laughs> I used every trick in the book. And it was it was an intense program. Like, you couldn't just miss. Yeah. It, was, it was very strict. But I made it happen. And uh, I won't call them lies, but the excuses uh, came in handy. So you got a master's degree by the end of it. And did you ever feel, I, I always I always think it's interesting when people get a master's degree before they even have their own classroom, because it's like, I'm a master in education. Always weird. I was like, <laughs> wow, I think I'm, I feel like I'm scamming everybody. Dude. Yeah. What, what's going on here? Yeah, be between getting the master's before getting a class and finding excuses to get out of the master's. Yeah, it was, it was, it was weird. And, um, but I really do feel like throwing us into the classrooms very early. Like, yeah. it was just like, oh, okay, what, I teacher, real teacher, what do you need me to do? Yeah, similar to like the Teach for America model, right? Where it's, you're going to get a master's degree, but there you go. Throw you to the little yeah, tiny right wolf pups. Um, but an incredible experience looking back. Um, it challenged me in ways I've never been challenged before. And as you know, you know, getting your master's is not school, just isn't easy. It's mm. no one wants to focus on reading tons of pages and turning in essays, but, uh, and, cool. and people who go into these programs, they're not just sent to these, uh, you know, affluent communities yes. and parochial schools and all that. Right. They're descent to the underserved oh. community. So not only are they throwing you in, in into a job that's challenging enough for your first year, 
but you know, you got trauma, you got, I mean, you name it. You Dude, got and remember, it. I applied on a whim. So when I was like <laughs> yeah. first class, I was like, oh, ESL. What? Excuse me, what is that? Like, English <laughs> is a second language. You'll be teaching students who, you know, English is their second language. Okay, that is crazy. Let's take a moment to unpack what Brandon just shared. Here is a son of an educator looking for work as an educator and is by all accounts open to working in our most underserved communities. Yet these programs, and frankly, the whole educational industrial complex, treat young, vibrant educators the same way a shitty dad teaches his kid how to swim. So help me, boy, if you even try to drown, I'm going to beat you with my belt. Now learn how to swim out of that deep end and get me a cold one to replace the one I'm about to finish. Why are you crying? Oh, geez, fine. Happy fifth birthday. Why do we do this to our young teachers? Frankly, why do we do this to our underserved students? Is it any wonder that, according to a recent study from Mathematica Policy Research, 87% of teachers in programs like this one end up leaving education altogether? Is it any wonder that the achievement gap persists? Fortunately for Brandon and his students, Brandon's first principal decided to place him where he could truly make the most impact, as a creative writing and drama teacher for 7th and 8th grade students. It was funny because I was, you know, nervous and, you know, I'm, I have a, you know, creative background and I didn't know where I was going to fit in. I always excelled in English. I'd like love grammar. That sounds real weird, but I just, that was easy for me. And so I thought that would be the route. And she was like, looked at my resume, was like, wow, you, you're, you have done theater. You majored in theater. Mm -hmm. what, I have a new elective course that I would love to like implement some creative, uh, you know, uh, aspects into the curriculum. Like, would you help me create a yeah. new class? I was like, hell yes, I would. Like, are you kidding <laughs> You're me? Like, it's either that or ESL and I'm not prepared. Right. You're like, I'm not going to teach English. I'm going to teach pantomime. That's what I got. I would have been their worst teacher ever. It would have been a disaster. And so she was really sweet and welcoming and open. And we literally, again, I'm new to this. I had to like front. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I can figure out a curriculum. It's not hard. And I Honestly, did though, though. I mean, not that you're not special, but that's all. That's what we all do. We just fake it till we make it. Like my first job, I was working in an after-school mentoring program, and uh, I was. It just happened to be at the school after school, and the principal saw me interacting with kids, and he goes, "Hey, have you, have you ever uh, been a substitute teacher?" Wow. I'm like, "Sure, never, <laughs> sure." Smart. Do uh, you think you can teach middle school science? And I'm in college in the moment. And I'm like. Well, look, I'm in college bio 102, so if I can do bio 102, <laughs> I can definitely do middle school science. I was like, yeah, sure, sure. <laughs> and I'm just like days ahead of the kids. You're just faking it till you make it. That's kind of how And there's nothing wrong it. with that either. I'm glad no. you said that. Like, that's kind of how it happens. You, you have to learn on the fly. There's no straight inroad to anything, really. It's probably true with most jobs. Yeah. I assume, like, the first time you walked on a set, you were like, I just got to pretend that this isn't crazy to me. 100% accurate. Yeah. 100%. And so it was this amazing time period of like uh, figuring out this curriculum and using my utilizing my theater skills. And I was like, this is going to be an amazing class. The class was called Creative Writing and Drama. There is an amazing theater near uh, this school called 32nd Street where mm, yeah, yeah. Jack Black kind of got his start there. Amazing story. And they were just, I mean, there's so many free programs too. I think we had like Academy Award um, programs and, and things and materials for the kids to utilize and me to implement into my, my lesson plans. And it, it was an amazing experience. And one of the 
big things was poetry. Mm. And incredible, man. I mean... Were you so, always into poetry or was that something that... Yes, so- yes. I had, to fake, I had to fake it, man. I had been to... LA has a great poetry scene. There's the poetry night on a, on Fairfax, mm. at Fairfax High. That's incredible. And I'd seen like, you know, deaf poets and things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like, I'm not that good. I, yeah, I'll leave that to them. And now it's- Oh, yeah, yeah. We all, we all go through the stage in life where we're writing our own, like, you know, shitty poetry. Yes. <laughs> like, this is deep and it's just real surface. And hoping they buy it, the students buy it. <laughs> but I, I was smart enough to, uh, it was every Friday and I would have like professional poets books that the students mm-hmm. would read to kind of get us warmed up and allow the students to realize that anything goes in free verse yeah. you know you don't have to be perfect or rhyme every mm-hmm. single you know end of a word um you don't have to have your stanzas neatly written and they ate it up and it was an incredible experience man it really was that, that was a great class and i'm sure for a lot of kids you know we're talking about the trauma and everything that they're dealing with in their outside life having a outlet i'm sure you you know Again, you're new to this. You're not trained for this. And here you are probably taking poetry that is dealing with some heavy stuff. How could you be, right? Like, I think no matter what school anyone were to teach at, you know, you're dealing with young people who have tons. I think most of the issues adults have is childhood trauma. And so no matter how small or big, um, this would come out in the poetry. And it was one of those where it was a safe space. It was like, listen, whatever happens today, guys, we keep it in here. Um, and, but I want you to be as honest as you can. That'll help you grow as, as artists and writers. It'll help in just writing in general. And it really, it was, it was beautiful. It was yeah. really never had an issue. Never yeah, had an I, issue. And then of course you have the teenagers who it's, it's real to them. Yes. But it is, I'll never forget. I was, uh, teaching. It was a seventh grade class and, um, walking around the kids are getting warmed up mm-hmm. and this one girl's just like actually crying just like tears are coming down her cheeks she's not making a big scene about it but she's just crying and I was like Emily are you okay and she goes it's just it's over and it's I don't know where my life goes from here and everything (laughs) is just it's it just happened it came and went so fast that's adorable and hilarious and I was like (laughs) what are you talking about and she goes one direction broke up and I was like, get back to work, Emily. We're done. We're done here. I was trying to be as open and heartfelt as possible. And I don't know like, where I don't know where the story up. was going, and that's even funnier. <laughs> wow. I was like, get get back to work, Emily. Get back to writing your essay. But it's, it's to your to your your story is really interesting what affects young people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not to be I'm glad you handled it well. I probably probably would have laughed. <laughs> Did I? But um <laughs> I was like, so cold. Get back to work. <laughs> You did. You did it. You. It was. Ba- it was balanced. You, did, you didn't belittle the fact that she was feeling heartbroken <laughs> about this Fair group enough. breaking. Yeah. I think I was too shocked to really respond to any other thing other than well work. done. Just no, work. Very well done. Didn't it's what to say to you. So, was there a moment in your life when you're doing this and you're like, I'm really doing something here, and I feel real good about it, and I'm feeling passionate about it, that you thought, well, maybe this is what I'm supposed to do. Oh, yeah, all the time, man. And it's as you know, it's those moments when you can literally physically, visibly see their growth, mm-hmm. their excitement. You know, it's it's one of the most beautiful things, right? A, a, a child or a kid excited about learning or discovering the big aha moment, the light bulb going off. Right. Um, the goosebumps that you get when they're all, oh. It's irreplaceable, yeah. man. It is, it is, it's, it's an incredible feeling. And so those, you know, obviously a lot of people don't know what, 
teaching you are everything. It's more than just an eight-hour job. It's mm. summer's off, at least, mm. if you're fortunate to get that. But you become, you know, maybe a father, mother figure, mentor, friend, big brother, big sister, all of these things, you know, ch- you know, kids confiding yeah. in you. And so that was really beautiful. Um, but I knew, and I, I really, can, I was like, wow, I'm getting, you know, you start getting your pedagogy together and your stuff is flowing smoothly and yeah. you're too... You're, feeling, just, you're starting to feel your skills. You're, you're yeah. feeling yourself a little bit. Um, but I always had, it was like two loves, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it was like the acting, the creative side that I'd gone to school for still outweighed the teaching. But I didn't, I guess the the part I'm proud about is I never uh, half-assed yeah. you know, my, my interactions with the kids ever. And so, I, I used to tell them, like, I'm giving you guys everything. I don't yeah. know much, but it's worth it. Well, I'm wondering if you know, you go to this school and they say, we're going to put you in a science class. Right. 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 Does, does you think the fact that you were in like a theater class, do you think that that's kind of what kept you grounded into this other passion and kind of kept you tethered and not just going all the way into teaching? Like it's just the serendipity of being given a class that had to do with this other life that you wanted to live. For sure. Wow. For sure. Like, yeah. There's just no, you, you said it, you know, beautifully, man. That That's exactly what it was. It was like, it was always in the back of my head. Yeah. That, like, you're an actor. Yeah. Um, but I got to act with the student. Teaching, in a sense, is act. You, you're literally performing when you're True. up there. You have to get their attention. Yep. You want to make uh, it engaging and, and mm-hmm. fun. And so I was really, like, kind of honing my skills. And it sounds weird, but no, yeah. you are kind of honing your skills. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Teaching, if, if if done even with an inkling of thoughtfulness, it'll make you a better person. It's it's really interesting. So I have, um, before I did teaching, before I was, you know, writing in Hollywood, I was doing, you know, a terrible attempt at stand-up. Uh, and then... Did I know that? Maybe I, I don't know. Cool, I, I, well, man. what's funny is that then I tried to get back into it a little bit. I wanted to see what it was like, and I did it for a few months. Uh, and I had been gone for so long that I was like, okay, my material is, I mean, it's so old and dated at this point. I mean, it was just like, I was, you know, the last time I had done stand-up before when I was in teaching, I mean, Passion of the Christ had just come out. No, <laughs> there was some jokes to make about that. I mean, it had been a, It had been a minute. Yeah. And I just remember getting up on stage, and as I was getting up, walking on the stage, feeling this, like, bundle of nerves, like, oh, my gosh, you haven't done this in a while. This might be... A disaster, but then some voice in my head said, "This is a classroom," and it just mm. all the energy, all the nerves went away. And that same thing has happened when I've had to present something. Just yes. this is a classroom, and so that you know, being a that. teacher, you're right. It just it it it's a certain skill set that can be transferred into all these other areas. Well said, man. I, absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, stand-up is brutal. Like you, you, it's all or nothing. <laughs> There's a reason why I didn't keep doing it. I, I tried. I had my little like three months stint where yeah, I took yeah, a yeah. class and I was yeah. like, nope, thanks. I want to take a moment to discuss something that was just mentioned in this conversation about the performativity of teaching. This is something that, while I believe is true, I also think is terribly misunderstood about this job. What Brandon said is entirely accurate. There are many instances where, as a teacher, you need to also be a performer. When you speak in front of students, you're performing. When you want students to feel the enthusiasm you feel for the content, you're performing. 
when you tell every student you love them equally, even the kids you want to grab by the shoulders and yell, what is broken inside of you? You're performing. But what so many new teachers and what so many people outside of education seem to mistake is that a performing educator is not the same as a performing clown. What alarms me about so many young teachers entering this profession is that they feel that the job of an educator is to pretend to be a saccharine, clownish version of a teacher who has untenable energy and turns everything into a game or a rap or something involving costumes and classroom makeovers and generally wacky antics. Have you ever seen these teacher performances on Instagram? It's like watching an episode of The Magic School Bus, only if Miss Frizzle was whacked out on a homemade cocktail of Adderall and methamphetamine. Nobody asked you to make an interpretive rap dance about Huckleberry Finn, Miss Frizzle. And besides, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed to dance that way in class, and I'm 100% sure you're not allowed to use that word. Anywhere. Brandon, a professional actor, would be the first to say that true performance is about connecting to something in a real way and sharing that personal connection with others. Make no mistake, that's what performance teaching is. Speaking of performing, Brandon explains how a role he performed in a small Midwest theater company changed his life forever. I'm kind of like a military brat, but I'm a PK kid, preacher kid, for those who don't know. And uh, so I was born in Dallas, Texas, lived in Wisconsin, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Minneapolis, Minnesota. So all over. I'd never gone to school. Yeah. I'd never gone to school longer than two years until high school. Wow. Um, So I think acting was like a um, little security blanket. It Mm -hmm. really was my therapy in a sense. And so my parents put us in the theater program in Milwaukee. And um, it's that feel, that indescribable feeling. I knew immediately. I, I <laughs> the frog wanted to be a singer was the play they were doing when we when my siblings and, and I uh, started, and it was like bicycle helmets with paper mache for all the animals, and like I think the frog had a jerry curl. Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and I hope there's no footage, but I remember <laughs> I I got the the frog roll somehow because my singing is just like oh he's he can do it a little yeah. bit. Yeah. No one would ever, you know, celebrate it. What's, and they shouldn't. I'm okay. But oh, okay. Um, I got it somehow. There were definitely hey. better singers. And the feeling from the opening night was just indescribable. I was like, wow, people mm. are, like, enjoying themselves. It's fun. I look ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but I'm a frog today, and they're going to love it. And, uh, so and they're that, hanging on what you have to say. Yeah. Again, it's like, again, you're in front of that classroom. That's it. And you can just wait. That's it, man. That wait time. That's it. Yeah. That was my official getting bitten by the acting bug, I would say. Mm. And so from that experience, it always stayed with me um, from watching, <laughs> dating myself, blockbuster uh, videos and just absorbing movies and seeing these performances. And uh, my dad had really eclectic taste. I was seeing tons of different stuff. And it was just like, yeah, I would love to do that someday. Mm. And so in high school, big in sports too, in high school, um, I had some opportunities. Minnesota, Twin Cities has some amazing theater, by the way, from Mm. the Guthrie, which is incredible. They have a huge new facility to the Pantages, which is just like everywhere where you get off-Broadway and Broadway shows. I have heard that Minneapolis is like the artist town. It's amazing. It's it's a place I keep wanting to visit. You should, in the the summer. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you convince someone to go to Minneapolis? You don't. 
You just yeah. go go during <laughs> June, July, and that's it. I just gotta look for conferences. Hey, if anybody knows of any conferences, yeah, it's beautiful in the summer. It, is, it truly is. I it, will go. It truly is. Um, we shot their white people in the movie there. That's weird. And it was everybody loved it. They were like, "This place is beautiful." Yeah. <laughs> um, but so in high school, you know, I would take summer classes at each Penumbra uh, Theater. Shout out to them, St. Paul, Minnesota. But in high school, you know, your you know your identity is you're being tested, right? And so sports was my thing. And I was like, I don't want anybody to know. This will be my mm. little thing I do in the summer. For whatever reason, there was no one ever made fun of any plays or productions. We didn't really have a lot of plays either um, until I think I started going there. And funny story, after football practice, I was in choir class. That was like the easy way to get an A, and it was fun. And they're really good. Mr. Capecchi, a great teacher, um, so musically inclined and, and really was a caring guy. And I always had the deep voice. I'd mm. be like, let's just keep baritone. I'm work. I'm working on that. <laughs> <laughs> Every once in a while, like you'll listen to one of my old podcasts, one of my old episodes, and it even I think it even happened earlier in this interview where I just go, hmm. But instead of going hmm, I go hmm. <laughs> like I just I'm constantly going through puberty. One Dude, day I'll get there. I w- <laughs> but it was you know it was it was a little weird because I was the deep you know no one wants to be baritone. You've got like two different notes. <laughs> Like that's that's your job. Yeah. Like just be quiet and don't. But you're grounding the entire. Piece. That's it. True. Yeah. Very true. So Mr. Capecchi goes, "We're doing Little Shop of Floors. I think you would be great for Audrey too." I was like, "Who? Who?" It's like the plan. I went, "Oh, wow. the Rick Moranis. That'd be so yeah. dope. Incredible play." So I had to. He was like, "But you have to audition. Do you know? Got to go through the, the the you know the, the motions. <laughs> go through the motions." So I came in like after lunch or something like that, and he was like, "Have a song prepared." Ha- yeah. Didn't do it. And the only thing that came to mind was taking me out to the ball game. Such a weird choice. Just yeah. bizarre. Yeah. And I remember he was just like, okay, got through it. Yeah. And I think he just, the beautiful thing about great teachers and, and just people, when they see something in you, mm. I think he knew it was like a trash audition, but he was like, you got it. Yeah. He was like, I think you can do this. <laughs> Watch the film again. Yeah. I assume it's been a while. You'll love it. And um, here's the script, and you'll come to rehearsal. Mm. Now, I got to sit with the band because you don't see the, it's the plant. We had a yeah, huge, yeah, yeah. giant paper mache puppet plant. It was an incredible production. Wow. Long story short, everybody came to the show when it pre- premiered, and uh, people loved it. And I remember when they announced my name, you know, during a curtain call, um, everybody was just like, <laughs> like just a giant, Arr? Brandon, where is he? <laughs> Everyone's like applauding and then it's like, wait, what? Yeah. And uh, friends came up after and during school and were like, yo, you did a really, first of all, it was a great production, but good job, man. Yeah. Like, wow, I had no idea. So that kind of, oddly enough, gave me the confidence to not be so shy about mm. this love that I had. And um, just everything serendipity, man. I mean, I had done a summer camp uh, for Penumbra, and they at the time, this is like junior, senior year, they were like, hey, we're looking for some young, uh, terrible singers to be in the background of mm-hmm. our nativity story. Jennifer Holiday is going to be the the angel. And I didn't know who she was. Mm-hmm. She's the original dream girl. Incredible yeah, voice. <laughs> Incredible. Yeah. Such a diva. Just Perfect. with only no rehearsals, would yeah. show up minutes before, you know, we're going on. Like, I got this, y'all. And we just put people to tears. I mean, just an amazing voice, presence. But from that experience, I was shepherd boy number, you know, three. Yeah. That experience really... Just to sort of be near that. Yes, professionals working, committed. I remember them telling me, like, because it was singing, um, a musical, like, 
wear a scarf, young man, and drink tea. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Lost my voice halfway through the production. Oh, no. But these were like great learning lessons to, if I wanted to take this seriously, they were like Alvin Ailey trained dance. It was an amazing production. Mm. And um, like I vocal mean, warm-ups. Everything. Those are the, some of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So weird. Our vocal warm-ups. So weird. And I'm not a... their own thing. Yeah. And it's I'm like not... transcendental meditation. <laughs> it's like, I'm not going to tell you what my warm-up is, but just know that I do my warm-up yeah. and it's just, I need to do it. No, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And I remember one dancer who was like, he was like, hey, you plan on doing this? Um, just, care, you know, because I could have just been a body. Yeah. But he was like, uh, you plan on doing this? I know you're getting ready to go to school. You plan on? And I was like, yeah, I hope to. I think I'm going to major in theater. Oh, you're you're like, have you seen these abs? Like, yeah, I'm doing you're, it. You're silly. <laughs> he was like, uh, I think you can have a future in this, man. He was like, wow. here's what I will say. Minneapolis is great. He didn't know where I was applying or anything. He yeah. was like, New York or LA. It's just more opportunities. And when you do go to the, one of these cities, he was like, make sure you have a great core. You will have ups and downs. Uh, nobody does it for the money. Mm. But if you love it, you can succeed. It just takes a little time and having a great supportive core. Mm. And I remember putting that in my front pocket That's and really, really taking that really to heart. really solid advice. Long story short. That, so that was like, I think I got paid, you know, 100 bucks, maybe mm. a week, bi-weekly. But that was like, okay. Uh, and last thing, so it, again, serendipity, right? Um, from that, I had. I don't think I had any lines. I was just in my costume in the back. <laughs> thing, like, yeah. yeah, just watch them, not me. I'm just here. Take up space. I lost my voice, so it doesn't even matter. <laughs> oh, best lip singer ever. <laughs> uh, from that, Lou Bellamy, um, who ran Penumbra, uh, Maxine, God rest her soul, was this amazing theater um, professor at MCTC, a junior college in Minneapolis, apparently a great junior college with a great theater program. She needed someone to play Walter Lee, a young black male. Well, not young. Walter's a grown man with a family and kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not that young. But she couldn't find anyone to wow. uh, play Walter Lee younger. And so she reached out to Lou, you know, theater small world. And that's a that's a big part to wrap around. But serendipity, right? Because why me? I was like 17. It just made yeah. no sense, logically. So Lou hits me up somehow and goes, hey, there's an opportunity um, to be in a play, Raising the Sun, meet Maxine. She's a good friend of mine. This date, this time, see what she wants to talk about. She wants to be, I didn't know Walter Lee Younger was the role yeah. at the time. So I go, I'm excited. I'm like, wow, I think I'm good. I'm getting like parts and stuff. <laughs> I go there. It's easy. <laughs> she's like 70. She's in a cat hair everywhere. The biggest sweater. I have like a robe. And she was very like, she needed to cash this thing immediately. Yeah. Goes, hi, 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 nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Cool. Lou told me, uh, you know, you've got some chops. Read this. Yeah. Sticks the script in front. I'm like, who, who, who am I reading for? She's like, Walter Lee Younger, read it. So I just start reading it. It couldn't have been good. She's like, you got it. <laughs> like, I want my damn eggs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> she was like, you got it, great. And then I remember she took my hands and she was like, really need this role. I believe in you. Wow. She was like, if Lou called, that's enough for me. I was like, I'm a boy. What? <laughs> okay. I mean, you know, that's crazy because I remember reading A Death of a Salesman. Mm, one of my favorites, man. Reading that in high school yeah. and being like, oh, he's crazy. And then I read it again in college and I go, oh, he's crazy. <laughs> and then I read it again when I'm about to teach AP Lit and I have a kid and I'm like in the fetal position for a week. Like parenting Hilarious. is hard. Hilarious. You don't understand. Yeah, man. I can only imagine you trying to wrap your 17-year-old inexperienced brain around Walter Lee Younger 
Bro, the pressure was on like Donkey Kong. Like, I remember going home. I was excited that I got it, but I was like, this is a real responsibility. And yeah. I researched, you know, Lorraine Hansberry and what this play meant and yeah. how important it was. I was, I was going to say, then that, that, there's that that aspect. So then I was like, oh, the oh culture God. Aspect, oh, God, you know? I, can't, I can't do this. Yeah. Showed up for rehearsal with amazing actors, and we did it, man. You're like, it's me and Sidney Poitier. 1A, 1B, I guess. And of course, I watched that. Oh, no. So now I'm just like, oh, I'm doing I'm, a bad Cindy Poitier impression. I'm going to get kicked out of the acting world forever. I saw La Danny Glover's performance, wow. which I might prefer slightly over Sydney's. Wow, I know, takes. I know that's a, not a popular opinion, but um, they were both incredible. And I was like, wow, if I'm going to do this, take it seriously. Um, like, work, commit to it, be yeah. disciplined, learn these lines. Was never confident or comfortable. Maxine was really great and just tender and, and a thoughtful, but also really harsh and strict director. She yeah. wanted you to she wanted to bring out the best in in you. And I just remember after my parents saw it, they were like, "Wow, man! Like that was it was weird because you're a baby, but they were <laughs> like, like, you are our child, <laughs> our child. <laughs> you can't you can barely drive legally.' But they were like, "Wow!" After a while, it just kind of went away, mm -hmm. and you did the thing you were right. Walter Lee Younger and that meant a lot because I had so many doubts and and you know I had to live up to sit you know this is serious and yeah. so that was the trigger it was like okay when I go to college mm -hmm. I'm gonna major in theater I'm gonna do this and and here I am today man so it was a long process of like liking theater knowing I had that feeling that indescribable yeah. feeling but it just being serendipitous because people were helping to develop this this art and this craft in my life, uh, seemingly out of nowhere, just really thoughtful, you know, it really does take a village, really thoughtful people who just poured into me and giving me, you know, small opportunities when I didn't even probably deserve them. Yeah. Um, but luckily was able to step up and, and do as best as I could. Yeah. So that was really cool. That was really cool, man. Sometimes in life, it takes an outsider to give you the push you need to walk the path to your destiny. In my archives, Educator Victor Gonzalez shares how a recruiter from a charter school helped him find his passion for teaching. So the recruiter, um, who is, was very good at her job, um, finally got me to meet with her. And the question she posed was, it could be you or it could be someone else teaching young people. And uh, I felt very empowered by that question because it, it made me realize that um, at, the, at that point in my life, um, it actually felt like the right thing to do. To hear the rest of this interview and any of my other shows, be sure to check out my archives at teachmemrwest.com forward slash pod class. Back to the interview, I wanted to know what it was like to be an actor in Hollywood. Particularly, I wanted to know what it was like to be judged on whether or not you'd be good for a part simply because you did or did not look the part. So I asked Brandon point blank about how he deals with typecasting. Great question. Your, your, your insights are right on, man. That has been one of the one of the struggles in Hollywood is mm. th in theater uh you know it's colorblind essentially a lot of places now you whoever you are as long as you've got yeah. the chops and we like you it's yours and so I got put in that early on that kind of spoiled me in a sense because as you said I was always playing opposite mm. and it was not a no one blinked no one batted an eye no yeah. one literally no one not even my family were like aren't you a little young it's like, that's a great opportunity. Kill it. You're not a frog. Yeah. Kill it. <laughs> and so coming out here working professionally, I get that all the time. There were, you know, I come from theater, so I love different diverse characters. Yeah. I, I'd love to play the the, the nerdy yeah. IT guy, but I would often get that. Like, yeah, it's not going to work. 
Yeah. Um, and I get it. It's a visual medium. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's something I think as an actor in Hollywood anyways that you have to come to terms with because it's important to know what you look like. Just mm -hmm. just off first glance. the audience, how they're going to perceive you. It's, yeah. a, it's a visual medium. It's, it is important mm -hmm. to know, but to not pigeonhole yourself. And so mm -hmm. that may come at the cost of... Uh, making a living, depending yeah. on how many roles you turn down. I think one of the things for me is like not to play too many Troys moving mm -hmm. forward. I've done it. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I love the character. Justin's great. But it's time to show what I've trained for my entire life. Right. I And I've I've had some great opportunities. Traders on Netflix, great World War II spy, espionage drama. Yeah, um, BBC. And it just felt good, man. It feels good to, despite what is the reality, is people perceive you to look and, and be a certain way but when you get those opportunities to play outside of yourself if if you truly love it yeah you'll get them and uh, make sure you make it memorable you know with you you mentioned dear white people yes fairly political yeah so. yeah for sure is that something you've always been into or i would say yeah i didn't know it initially but i think theater you know, I come from a theater background. Theater, in odd ways, is activism. It's mm. it was always people's way of like sh holding a mirror up to the world. And it was from, also uh, a sanctuary absolutely. for people who were sort of cast out of mainstream society, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. I love the Game of Thrones episode where they have the theater troupe. Oh my gosh, yes! I was like, this is amazing. Yeah, I, don't, I wonder how many people. It the was history. Amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. Um. And there definitely is that one understudy that wants to kill. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That's a fact. Um, and so, so kind of, you know, reading Death of a Salesman, reading, um, uh, doing A Raisin in the Sun, these things kind of have inherently, they, they reflect life. And within life, politics is a huge part of our, our existence. And so you can't ignore those. Yeah. Um, and so I've been fortunate enough when Dear White People came about, um, and it's satirical, which is great, right? It takes a little of the heaviness sure, sure. off of off of it, off the plate. And so doing that was the first time I was like, oh, wow, art really can mm. um, provoke and challenge. And it's scary because, you know, the, the, the pushback on Dear, you know, why is there a show? Ridiculous pushback that was like, oh, yeah, no, just the, watch. The title was a real hot button Very issue. provocative. You know, it's like, you know, there was a movie that came out of this a few years earlier this to, to this day yeah. i will tell someone uh you know you know if they don't know i'm an actor oh is there something i've done like dear, dear white people excuse mm. me <laughs> it's like it's called dear white people yeah and i don't know why but um it probably is reflective of just this country we're afraid we've never really dealt with mm. people are just so skittish when it comes to talking about race or things that like um we're not proud about and I but I think it's necessary you well, know I think and there's also you know people get very uh you know our society our society is not used to having messages directed at white people yes. like white culture like well truly said. I mean they're they're used to having the messages be all for them well said but no one's ever like grabbed them by the chin and said listen and yes. you know there's a really interesting uh book in education and I'm probably gonna m mess up the title but it's something like uh uh for all the white folks who want to teach in the hood and the rest of y'all too. And it, it's this idea of like, look, you're going to be here. Th listen. And, and I think, you know, when people hear it at first blush and they're not used to being talked to in that sort of a direct manner, it's yes. like, 
what? No, this is this is reverse racism, which is not even a thing. Not it's even just, a thing. You know, you're onto something, man. You're 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 such a smart guy. That's that's exactly the issue. It's it's like um, my my like metaphor or analogy is always like it's like being the popular guy. You know, whether it's men or if you're white, it's like being the popular high school athlete who has never had to even think about the kid who sits and mm-hmm. eats lunch alone in the corner. Yeah. So it's not that his problems are irrelevant. It's you've never taken the time to just talk to him and find out why he's sitting in the corner. You could be best friend. You might have every interest, you know, in the world, but you've never known because you've never had to step over there and, and, and reach out. Yeah. And it's, it's exactly what you're talking about. So it was an amazing opportunity to see when someone like Justin, who's, you know, black and gay, be so uh, courageous and and. Uh, abrasive abrasive you know about I mean? like uh, shamelessly abrasive. shamelessly and it was really cool i think for me as an artist to your question to never be afraid to you know i never you know wear my political uh thoughts and views mm. you know to strangers and whatnot like you're not you don't post about it no no not sometimes i do it, it depends but i feel like you know a lot of times with social media it's so easy to you only get what certain characters. So it's mm-hmm. like, you're trying to capture your thought and I'd rather talk to people in person. Mm-hmm. You know, I really, yeah. I think sometimes we uh, rely on, but it, some people do it great. I'm just not, I, yeah. I'm a teacher. I like to talk. I, it's not enough characters for me to get a thought out. Yeah, sure. sure some sure. people are great at it. They've really mastered the art of like, being less to succinctly, succinctly yeah. sum up their thoughts and feelings. But, uh, it really allowed me to, you know, embrace, you know, art being activism and not being afraid to um, to speak out on things, you know? So, you know, we live in a society where there's a lot of uh, shut up and fill in the blank, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. shut up and act, shut up and dribble, shut up sure. and whatever. Yeah. And you already sort of mentioned, like, I don't feel equipped to, to you know, to speak publicly uh, on politics. Is that something that you feel, uh, you know, more people should... Uh, you know, who who aren't in politics should not be afraid to speak out on politics or, you know, because I'm wondering, you That's know, a good question. There's right. there's a lot of pushback for, for, for public figures, of course. But at the same time, there's a weirdly equivalent pushback if you're a teacher and you want to, you know, interesting, bring up your own politics. Interesting. It's like, well, teachers should be apolitical. It's like, should they? Yeah. I I have a problem with that. I think anyone, first of all, it's a right for anyone to say whatever they want. Um, I My challenge for myself is just to make sure I'm as educated as possible. I think it's so easy nowadays to take things at face value without doing any mm-hmm. research, without checking yeah. uh, facts, without seeing, you know, what's the source? Yeah. I've done that, you know, over the last few years, and a lot of times people don't even know. I've I read it somewhere. Um, but... And I love reading now. And so I am able to have much deeper, thoughtful, intelligent conversations about things like race and politics. But for everyone else out there, don't be afraid. If you have something to say, I would say make sure, um, you know, you educate yourself, but don't be afraid. No, it's it's a right. And if you want to, absolutely. Absolutely. And there's a way to do it, too. There's a way to, uh, I think, present your ideas and your feelings and thoughts um, without... Um, offending anyone necessarily. Although I do love when like a Maxine Waters on Twitter will just speak her piece. Man. And she, because we know, you know, she has a history. She's Mm -hmm. working with people and she's unafraid to, 
you know, I think that is one of the problems, which is specifically with politicians to be too kind of apolitical. A lot of politicians mm. are, they, it's like, you don't have a stance, but no, we need you. We're looking, yeah. we've elected you to, if nothing Trying else. To please everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Go for it. It's all right. Well, you know, if we like you, we like you. And if we, that's kind of part of the bargain. Yeah. We don't have to like all of you. <laughs> yeah. We don't have to. Yeah. Agree with everything that yes. you say, but take a stance. We on can some disagree stuff. on things, but still appreciate, you know, the way you go about it. Absolutely, and it's it's a tough thing you learn with just age, right? Mm. You don't don't ever try to please everyone. That is, ooh, that's <laughs> good luck with that. Well, speaking of pleasing everyone, I'm gonna get you out of here on in the interview portion anyway of this show. Season two of Dear White People, Troy. Got into some pretty heavy sex and Wild drugs and, and alcohol as you know, way of dealing with this direction that he was his life was taking. Yeah, honestly, talking about like can't please everyone. The first time you did a sex scene, did you ever think to yourself, "Yeah, those students aren't going to see me the same way ever again"? Like, oh, well, that's a different side of Mr. Bell. That's uh that's a great question because it absolutely hit me in the gut. Um, <laughs> and like I midway see- through it, and you're like, "Ooh." It's L.A., so I see students from time to time, mm. which is really beautiful how they've, yeah, like, yeah, blossomed yeah. into adults. And, like, I work, and I'm going to school, and I'm like, oh, my God, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. But, yeah, there's no question that they're going to see it. And so I had to make sure I checked in with myself and and and, and knew the reason for doing this, mm-hmm. which is to be an artist and not be necessarily sure. afraid. Um, I think you can have gratuitous or too much of something, um, but... I oh, wanted yeah, to the pastor. <laughs> yeah, angle. I didn't even think yeah. about that. Sometimes less is more. And um It's funny, people always wonder about like mom and siblings. And I'm like, what about the students? What about the students, <laughs> right? But I think if you know it's it's earnest and not gratuitous, there's yeah. a way to balance it that is natural and is to not shy away from the fact that sex is just a real thing. Yeah. It's okay to i remember there being like a condom thing with like uh certain shows and not which yeah. i never thought about it ever before but i was like that's a great point well that's a big thing you on, should uh, yeah and insecure yes that's i remember seeing thing. that we had it in our scenes which I, I was really it's just so important man i think keeping young people in mind is never a bad idea which by the way no one was more disappointed <laughs> that your character did not continue in insecure <laughs> than me i was so hyped for you to be in that show. Thank you, man. I Thank was like, you. Yes. I I had known Issa. She's kind of of the Justin, the Lena Waithe uh, contingency mm-hmm. of like these young black creators, and um, so I had known about her for a while. We had never met, um, but this opportunity that came came in to audition, and the role wasn't much necessarily, yeah. but I had such respect for her and mm-hmm. appreciation for what she did with like Awkward Black Girl, which yeah. was on the internet, and really yeah. turned this into something big. And, phenomenal and special and i was like i would do this just to say hi to Issa. yeah and that's literally how it went i mean listen you got to give her a call because the, <laughs> the way molly's character has advanced <laughs> it, your character makes sense to that's come back funny. into her that's world that's funny you know what that's I'm saying? that's really funny man to to your to your question though i you know once i got out of my head um i was able to do those scenes but by the way they're awkward you can't make them uh less awkward like it's just a sex scene for any human being mm. is the most awkward. You're like, oh, does my breath stink? Uh, do I have enough <laughs> chapstick on? Like, oh, this is weird. Um, okay, definitely put deodorant on today, right? And then you have to lock in. It's And most actors will tell you. I don't know many who, I don't know any who would tell you it's an easy breezy thing. Yeah. It is business though. For me, you know, you don't even, you're done, you finish the scene and you're like, oh, wow, I don't, nothing, 
but you have to sell it, right? Yeah. So it's just an interesting, uh, those are interesting scenes to, to shoot. I was glad to have a break. So I know I said that was going to be your last question, but you just made me think of another one based on your conversation, you know, sure. based on your answer there. With theater, it's easy to get lost because you're looking out at the void. You might see a couple people in the front row, but yes. you're just sort of, it's a black void that you're performing it into. It is, truly. With film and movies, you know, TV and movies. <laughs> right. I mean, you see the 30 people right there. You see people Cell phones, looking, picking their noses. You know, just you looking know, at you like... Grinning mm-hmm. at you. How do, how do you lock in to performing? Great question. Yeah, and not feeling sort of self... No, yeah. Aware of just like, oh, they're looking at me and... That's a great question, There's man. no audience here. I know the camera's there, but it's this dead-eyed kind of thing. That's a great question. Really great question. And it's one of the biggest challenges of like, if you're an actor, especially with the theater background, moving on to this medium mm-hmm. where there's people chilling yeah like feet from you yeah um and it's for me it was always thank god for the theater back on the fourth wall when you're in a scene be as present as possible sometimes it's, it's, it's really hard <laughs> there's somebody in the camera like about to well that whole christian bale meltdown right because he's like stop moving yeah but that <laughs> you amateur <laughs> like whoa um, but it's one of those that you have to just know going into, there's no easy way to dismiss it. I, I do know I've been, I've worked with actors who are like, I need my sight of vision completely mm-hmm. clear. Yeah. I just get easily distracted. So yeah. for every, for the sake of this entire project, please keep my sight of line clear. Um, great actors who do it. And I think you do have to have that confidence to, if you know you can't separate, as you were talking about, mm-hmm. ask. And a lot of times you uh, you shall receive. You know they want it to be great and not have to stay there all day. I typically um, can lock in really yeah. easily, um, but I get it. There's been times, you know, whether it's an emotional scene where you do kind of. Um, but I think, as we all know, there are moments when you can be so distracted with what is going on. I don't know if it's your cell phone or even just a thought, a memory yeah. that you don't even realize what's going on, literally right in front of your eyes. And I try to have that kind of. Um, focus in scenes because sometimes you can't sometimes there's a boom guy who's like dude this is the only place i don't yeah. <laughs> i wouldn't be here if i didn't have to but yeah please don't hate me um so that's i try to keep the fourth wall idea up in theater up in film and tv as well i really do try to block it out as, as best as possible well you've been really focused in this interview you've ignored <laughs> the orgy that's been happening next to us. <laughs> true true I, I was wondering I, if I you had seen it halfway through the interview like i can't believe they're i was doing wondering it like if that. you had seen it yeah that's pretty impressive And it's that kind of professionalism that Brandon has brought to this podcast. Just a great interview all around. Gave some great insight into the world of a new educator, as well as the world of a movie star. And he never once questioned the 10-person Kama Sutra class taking place just mere feet from our microphones. He may have been sitting in the splash zone, but his focus never strayed. Truly a professional. Anyway, I learned a lot from this conversation, and I hope you did too. But the learning doesn't stop here. No, 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 no. One could argue that to truly know a person, you have to see how they act under pressure. So I put Brandon to the test with some high-stakes games and segments. You have been a meme. You've been a a gif, a gif. I I refuse to call it a gif. You've been a gif. Like it's not a gif, guys. Yeah, it's G I F. That that's simple. A gif. It's it's a gif. There's just no question about that. You've also, and I recently found this out. I don't even know if you know this. Uh-oh. You are now, you know when you go to Netflix and you have the multiple yeah. accounts? You can be yeah. one of the logos for one of the accounts. I am a logo. 
<laughs> for a lot of people. Man. And it's funny. It's I actually, this is crazy. I went, I don't know where it was. Let me think. I went somewhere and they had. Uh, it's like an Airbnb. And you're like, there I am. It was some public uh, place. Uh, I can't remember, but they had Netflix on. And of course, I was an icon and it was the most awkward. I was like, I wonder if anybody has noticed. But that's just weird. That's amazing. But amazing, too. But you know what you haven't done? You have not been a contestant on one of the games and segments for Podglass. Okay. So are you ready? I'm ready. For this. Let's do it. Let's do it. Okay, so our first segment, and I'm very excited about this. It's the first time I've ever done the segment, and it will likely be the only time unless I get more and more cast members of the show. Hey, I'm on it. This is a segment called Dear White Teacher. (laughs) So you have been through, as we call it, the education machine. Yeah. In more ways than most people, you've been a student, Mm -hmm. you've been a teacher, Mm -hmm. and even as a fictional character going to college where your dad is, you know, a a dean and all that. Yeah. What remains consistent in all of that is the fact that, you know, within the largest school districts in the country, 70 to 80% of students are of color, whereas roughly 80% of teachers are white. Mm -hmm. So in this segment... I'm going to give you the opportunity to discuss your perspective on this from any angle that you wish. It you can be you can share an anecdote or an observation from your time as a student or teacher. You can talk about how this may have impacted Troy's character, mm. um, or if you have any other angle that's meaningful to you. Those are good. I'll do one of you know maybe one of them. rotate. Nice. Uh, so for as Troy, I would say. Uh, Dear white people, white teachers. <laughs> yeah, we don't want to get sued. We don't want to get sued. Dear, <laughs> dear white teachers, uh, even though my dad's the dean, I'm still not as privileged as Kurt Fletcher. Mm. Both of our dads are within the administrative, uh, you know, portion of education, but we are not on the same level. I think there's a line in season three where she's like, Troy, you're privileged. And he's like, really? Because I think it's a little different. And it is. Yeah, it is. You, you mentioned earlier this idea of being the cool kid in school, in high school, where nothing happens to you. And I thought about your character, Troy, and I thought, oh, that's kind of like him. But it's not, because it's, it's slightly different, right? There, there's always that... There's always that slight difference. It's it's a switch. For sure. Yeah. Troy lives in two worlds, right? This uh, W.E.B. Du Bois spoke about like double consciousness, right? And so Troy really struggles with that because I think, you know, the perception is he gets a pass, but he doesn't. You're still black. You're still African-American. Mm-hmm. And we know with that comes all types of uh, injustices systemically, socially. Um, and he experiences that. He experiences that. The uh, first know. time we meet him in the movie, that's like a big, yeah. like, oh, you're 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 black, yeah, kind of, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So that that would be uh, my dear white teachers, as Troy, dear white teachers. Um, I am not as privileged as you think I am. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like yeah, race doesn't just go away. It doesn't just go away because my dad works here, whatever, and we yeah. have we're you know we've got you know we're seemingly affluent. No, I still go through the same stuff. You mm-hmm. know. Reggie could have been me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. as we saw at the end of season one, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Money doesn't exempt you. We, and we know that all too well from, I think, Oprah getting like, uh, there was like a store where, you know, someone called it. It's crazy stuff. Oprah, she's a billionaire. Mm. As Brent, she, well, she, all, she got she got taken to task for 
just saying, oh, I don't like the meat industry <laughs> or something like that. Exactly. And it was like, how dare Oprah how dare she? take her to court? <laughs> Dr. Phil here. Crazy. Yeah. Craziness. As uh, a former educator, as Brandon, I would say, dear white teachers, don't try to save specifically and particularly kids of color. Mm. I believe that um, I had this amazing professor um, in my master's program. She's She had like this, just this presence, almost like a Baptist minister. She was really um, uh, persuasive and just powerful and, and moving. You just, you never um, waned interest in whatever she was speaking. But she had a question. She said, I want to know why some of you guys got into this. And people shared. And one person said, I want to save kids. I want to, like, you know, be a positive influence. And I think that's a challenge that a lot of teachers, regardless of your, um, your skin color, deal with, right? You have this ideal, idealistic kind of uh, uh, desire to be a positive influence. Yeah, and I'm going to save lives. Yeah. yeah. And she, oh, man, it just, it was like a record skip. She said, um, well, I'm curious. She said, what would you be saving them from? And it just blew everyone's brains out of there. She's incredible. Yeah. Dr. Hollins. And it just really made us think, you know. And I'm from the school of thought where I don't know if anyone can, uh, and that's why we like superheroes, right? I don't know if anyone can actually save anyone. I yeah. think you can only uh, inspire and, and and hope that, you know, you um, challenge a person enough to impact them, mm-hmm. to, to change themselves, to save themselves. That's it. Yeah, I've been lucky enough in my teaching career to have been surrounded by people who have uh, let me say stupid things and ask stupid questions (laughs) and have given me an opportunity to sort of reflect on my own Mm. practices. And also just the, the, you know, there are some overt privileges that you have, you know, being a white cisgendered male in America in 2019 going into 2020, it, it's there. It's it, there's obvious ones for sure, and then there are ones that it's just it's so deep and insidious that you don't like think about. Yeah. Uh, I I once had a, a a young lady tell me that one of the weirdest memories she had as a student was uh, she had a teacher, a male teacher, tell her that um, when she walked by that her hair smelled nice because like the conditioner was so strong, <laughs> and she's like, and that really you know, stuck with me. It was upsetting because there's this power dynamic Wow. that, you know, he's this male teacher that has all this power. And I'm this young girl in middle school. Who's like finding my own womanhood and going through all these things. And I just felt so, Mm. uh, Mm. violated just from that. And I was thinking to myself, like, man, one would have never known that, but also I've a hundred percent been guilty of, of saying something like that, especially when you teach middle school and you're just so not used to kids smelling nice. Yeah. When they walk by, because it's first thing in the morning and they've clearly just showered, you know, like, yeah. hey, someone smells nice yeah. today. That's great. 100% agree. Yeah. But again, it's this, these hidden yes. things. The, and never, the popular kid never having to go over there because you just haven't had to. Correct. Whether it's power or by position of your uh, proxy of your skin color, your race. Yeah. Or just this notion of, you know, well, I'm going to keep it real with the kids and I'm going to talk to them about what's really happening in the yes. world. Yes. And, you know, you think to yourself, this is this is great because I'm connecting with them and I'm telling them about what's going on and I'm letting them know that I'm aware right. about injustices and this and that. Right. But somebody brought up this point of don't do that because 
you don't understand the trauma that you are unearthing mm. in some of these kids. Mm. And it's easy for That's you yeah. as the person of in power in society to say like, isn't this terrible? But they got to go home and deal with it. And you're bringing this up. And it's a reminder that the dynamic even exists between you when you don't even, you're not even trying to show that it exists between you. Yeah. But what you're a, sort of making that point. That's great, man. What a challenge, right? You can talk about it and, and go, we can talk about it and go home to our lives. Mm -hmm. They have to live it. Yeah. That's heavy, man. But one of the beautiful parts of, of being an educator, right? Figure you're not going to be perfect. You're going to make mistakes, but hopefully figuring that out. And, you know, you see the students every day. You can really develop a beautiful, honest, and open relationship, you know? And I think that's what's really important and cool about being a teacher too, you know? As you know, it's, it's, it's really cool to be, as an adult authority figure, to be so transparent with them where they kind of see you on their level. Yeah. And you see them on your level too, you know, it's, it's that whole thing about like, uh, there's psychologists now who are like, don't baby talk babies, guys. Mm, it actually yeah. can hinder development. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's so cute. <laughs> it is. It is. It's hard. It's hard not to. It's hard oh not God. to. My, How do you not pinch a cheek on a chubby looking baby? And my kid is four. And the other day she said hamburger. And I about cried because she's <laughs> for the first time she didn't say hamaburger. And I was like, why is that going? Yeah, yeah it's 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 tough. Uh so to sum up, and if I'm wrong in uh paraphrasing, please please correct me. A will. Dear white teachers, try harder and embrace humility. Ooh, that's good. Right? That is great. Yeah. I'll stick with that. Yeah, I said that everybody. <laughs> that's what I said. My words. Okay, so for our next segment, this is a great, I'm really excited about this one also. This is the first time I've done this as well. It's Man, called... So many firsts. I, listen, this, this, season two, we are we are going. <laughs> we are going with season two. Yeah. So this is called Cast a Teacher. And Hilarious. what it's about is, you know, despite the fact that your success is fairly recent in terms of your life, sure. you've already had a pretty great career working alongside some pretty big name actors. Thanks, man. So in this segment, I'm going to name an actor that you've worked with. Cool. And you, in turn, will tell <laughs> us, based on their actual personalities. That's cool. What kind of teacher you think they'd I'm be? Excited. History, math, English. Yeah. And why? Okay. Okay. So first one. Dennis Haysbert. Dennis Haysbert. Wow. That's great. <laughs> Man, the dude is really a presence, and his voice is as deep as they come. I mean, um, he's the Allstate guy. He's right? the Allstate. You're a <laughs> Dennis Haysbert, wow. What's really interesting is, like, seeing him, even in, like, his normal everyday dress, Yeah, completely opposite the roles he plays. Also, first black president, first black Dennis president. Um, Yeah, man. Dennis Haysbert, what would he teach? Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. That's, these are great questions, man. Okay, Dennis Haysbert would be... Oh, Dennis Haysbert would be the principal. Mm, mm. No question. Yeah, yeah. Commanding presence, that voice. But he's also, you know, outside of film and TV, really cool dude, man. Yeah. And I think he would provide that balance that you need, that authoritative figure, but also someone who is a man of the people. Yeah, and, if, and if, if he calls your name over the intercom. You're going. Oh. Immediately. You're going, but you're going to need a change of pants. <laughs> you're like, oh, no. Yeah, man. Principal Haysbert's calling principal me. Principal Haysbert. He even sounds good. Yeah. Good call. All right, next one. Leah Thompson. Oh, man. She's such a sweetheart, dude. She's as sweet as you. I remember her from, like, back to the... I mean, just... Yeah. Just 
That was really cool. My dad's favorite films are Back to the Future. And you worked with two, and that's going to be my next one coming up. And she's as sweet as you could imagine. She would be... Wow. That's such a great question. She would either be the school, like, therapist. Mm. I know it's not necessarily a teacher role, no, but hey, somewhat. No, hey, listen. Or I can't decide between, like, a painting teacher. I was going to say, she strikes me as, like, the art teacher. Because she's such a delicate, lovely person that you just, uh, she's just nurturing, man. Yeah. She's, she's really great, really sweet person. I can't, okay, if I had to choose, I'm, uh, let's say painting. She's yeah, an artist. Yeah. I'll go painting. Art teacher, maybe going to, like, teach the kids Tai Chi at some point. Yeah. And you're like, how is this art? That works. She's like, I'm centering you. That works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sticking with That's that. That's great. So, speaking of Back to the Future, we got our second Back to the Future girl, Elizabeth Shue. Elizabeth Shue, I unfortunately didn't get the opportunity to share a scene with her, so we'll have to move on. Oh, same, same episode, just not yes. the same. Oh, oh bad, bad research. Okay, well, we'll move on. This one, yeah, you definitely shared a scene with Blair Underwood. Wow, Blair, smooth, silky smooth Blair. Such a nice dude. See, now you've already given up the principalship. Now, now this is a real challenge. Yeah. Hmm, that's a good one, Blair Underwood. I'm going to go ahead and say for Blair, <laughs> this is funny. Um, I'm going to say science, and here's why. Women, when you tell a woman that you're wor- or anyone who you know is a fan of, of Blair Underwood, they they go like dreamy eyed. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's like wow, he really has that effect yeah. on people, specifically women. So, because science is typically associated with the the subject that most kids get bored in or like have no interest oh, in for whatever oh, reason, Blair's gonna keep your attention. I see where you're going. Got the yeah, silky yeah, yeah. smooth voice. The girls are gonna, you know. <laughs> I'm gonna Tell say me more about Adam. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah I'm yeah. gonna say uh, science, and I think he's actually a great contrast to um, what I remember. My science teacher, no disrespect. <laughs> I like a Bill Nye looking guy. He was amazing. Yeah. yeah, but Blair would be a good change for people to keep interest. Yeah, and it would have to be of a certain age because can you imagine Blair Underwood being the sex ed? That's a great teacher. point. That's a problem. Yeah, that's a great point. You'd be like, I need tutoring, <laughs> Mr. Underwood. <laughs> I'm going to say science. I'm going yeah, to yeah. stay with science. Stick with it. That's good. Yeah. Uh, and this is, this is a personal favorite of mine. Very few people know that I just love this woman and everything she does. Tessa Thompson. Tessa. Wonderful soul, man. Really dope person, human being. What would Tessa? That's good. That's real good. Um, what would Tessa teach? Your science is out of the way. Painting is out of the way. Principalship is out of the way so many others that's why i was gonna say jim because pe because she can fight she's now a superhero yeah um with impressive abilities that rival thor okay tessa thompson i'm gonna i'm gonna switch it up i'm gonna do the do the unthinkable i'm gonna say for tessa thompson um pe and here's why everybody you have to train intense uh intensely for the marvel roles and i remember her you know training you could see the, the cuts in her arms and she plays a superhero, so she's kind of got this like, um, and you didn't even expect it, right? She's a smaller figure, but she um, yeah. she rivaled Thor. I'm gonna say PE, and she's got the intensity. And if she told me to do push-ups, I'd do it right now. See, but here's the other thing. Here's the other good angle of this. I don't know what you your experience was like, but I can tell you that my PE teachers growing up, they 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 did not exhibit physical fitness. Mm, they they did not exude right. Like you know, that's they, funny, man. they had the gut. That's they had, really you know, funny. The flabby yeah. arms, and they're like you know, just like real midwestern pe teachers 
That's really funny because that's been my experience too when I really think about it. I would say, yeah, I'm going to say P.E., but also what just came to mind is she would be a great, um, she'd be a great art teacher as well. Mm. I'm trying to, Leah Thompson is painting. Theater? Tess would be great for theater too, Mm. man. Very laid back. Um, I've never seen her yell at anybody. And, you know, that's important. Especially with young, you know, developing minds. And she's a great actress. Wow, I gotta, I gotta choose one. PE, she's a Marvel superhero. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Don't buy it. Yeah, like if your PE teacher was a superhero, exactly. Like you got, like yeah. I'm going with that. Man, your school is shaping up. And last <laughs> but not least, you never shared a scene with her, but we mentioned it earlier. Issa Rae, you know her. Issa Rae, oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't cop out and say the after school program. I won't. I was almost gonna say, you know. We got y'all. Um, <laughs> Issa Rae would have to be. Mm, she would make history really lit. Yeah. Issa Rae would absolutely make history I really fully lit. fully see that. I'm on board. She, she's with just that. an easily relatable car- person. I don't know anyone who doesn't like Issa Rae. I'm going yeah. say history for sure. Yeah. Oh, no. I, It'd I, be I, so lit. It'd be hilarious. She uh, would like contextualize things with her comedic kind of sensibilities. History. No now, question. I'm, now I'm sad that she's not a history teacher. I know, right? <laughs> that's, that's, that's great. Well, you did well. You, you got them all. This your was school, fun, man. Your school is, uh, can I work there? Is that- uh, enrollment opens never, yeah. um, <laughs> and we take all. We Tuition all. starts at 50K a year. Tuition starts at 50K a year. That <laughs> it's the all-stars, what do you know? But we but do offer scholarships. You're, you're going to get it. And we offer scholarships. Yeah, nice. Okay, so our final segment. It's very bittersweet. Because now we've come to the end. This is it. I'm not crying. You are. I'm not crying. I'm, I'm crying a little bit. <laughs> uh, this is one of my favorite segments that I do with my guests because I really get to peer into the soul of my guests. I get to know exactly what what drives them, what, mm. what, what they want to leave, how they want to leave their mark on this world. Wow. So this is, this is an extra credit assignment. We give extra credit to the Podglass audience. Extra credit never hurt anybody. Never. It definitely didn't hurt me. And I, I used up as much as I could. I needed exactly. it. So with that said, this could be anything. This could be uh, check out this show, read this book, go, you know, if you can visit this country. What is an extra credit assignment you would like to give to the podcast audience? And you can't cheat and say, watch season three of Dear White People. We'll, we'll get to the plug. <laughs> we'll get to the plug later. <laughs> wow. That's great. Just one? You, no, yeah, listen, this is your show. You can offer as much extra credit as you want. Mm. Um, visit Africa. And here's why I went to Kenya. There's such a harmonious relationship between the people, the earth, and the, the um, animals, the, you know, the ecosystem mm. that I feel like a lot of places have really lost, you yeah. know? Um, and you see it. You just, you just, you see it, you smell it, you breathe it. It's really beautiful. So visit Africa. Um, Wales is really beautiful too. Anyways, that's that's <laughs> that's my travel one. Books. Um, it's a great one, and I'm surprised. Anything by Percival Everett, number one. Anything. Um, but uh, there's this religious book. This is this is different. My dad's a PK, or I'm a PK. My dad used to be a preacher. Um, I think it's called, I'm butchering the hell out of the title for sure. Without Buddha, I couldn't be a Christian. 
And it's as weird and crazy as it sounds, but one of the most uh, interesting reads in a long time. Just just fascinating. Really fascinating, man. Really fascinating. Um, he's an older uh, guy who's like, uh, I believe he's a professor now, but um, his, his views on like just mo- Christianity and really being honest about it, um, you know, literal versus metaphorical and really addressing that is is crazy. I was uh, stunned. It challenged a lot of beliefs I had in really uh, not painful ways, but like, mm. you know, I'd read stuff and be like, Oh wow, I don't I don't know if I wanna Yeah, that that's not that's that, not me, that's, that's you. That's yeah, not me. Yeah, but uh really beautiful and just his openness to what he was mm-hmm. able to take uh um from Buddhism and implement to his life. Really cool. I think the you know, books like that help make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's a really good one. And lastly, drink more water, everybody. Ooh. Drink more that's water. That's real good. It's uh I did like a, I did, I challenged myself and tried to drink like a gallon a day mm-hmm. um, for a year. And I'm sure I missed it, but I don't know. I know there are benefits. I didn't, you know, you know, I think some people are like, your skin brightens. Maybe I didn't mm-hmm. check it that much. I don't think it's that change is, is so severe, but physiologically, you do feel like there's a point when you go, yeah. wow, I feel really hydrated and good. Well, listen. The GOAT, Tom Brady, said that when he started his water regimen, and his water regimen is something like you take your body weight and divide it by two, Hmm. that's how many ounces of water you should be drinking a day. Yeah, because it's not a gallon for everyone. That's that's a misnomer. And he's like, ever since I I started that, you know, you drink more if you work out or whatever. He's like, I've never gotten a sunburn. I was like, say what? what He has the whole thing in his book. He's like, Everyone talks about how I'm doing this, you know, diet line and, you know, the workout. He's like, but my sister thinks I should go into, you know, beautician, like the <laughs> cosmetics wow. aisle because I I figure out how to not get sunburned. I believe it, man. And in fact, I got to the point where uh, I used to, like everybody, love juice. Mm. I waned off soda for a while because um, I have a sugar. I'm a sweet tooth junkie and it's ridiculous. I had it, to. It's the same and it is a problem. Soda's a problem. But um, when you drink, when you you'll get to a point where you don't want to drink anything else. It is mm. crazy. It's crazy. You're literally like, no, I'll just have some water. Yeah, just water. Um, and and try. This is the last thing I promise. Try to reduce plastic use, mm. please, for the sake of the planet. That's all I got, man. I mean, you you hit all the all the quadrants, right? You got. Travel, travel to Africa to travel. appreciate the land and see how everyone over there appreciates the ecosystem. Yeah, here's some land. books to read as you make your journey. Hey, and when you go there, certain areas it will make you appreciate that you have water. So mm. drink your water. Yes, absolutely. And uh, you know, now that you've come back and you're full, you're in full eco mode. You'll see how much plastic we use, and that's no good. There you go. And watch your. Uh, it's kind of a downer, man. Chernobyl was amazing. Oh, when so they good. see us in Chernobyl, were probably two of the better things I've seen lately. Yeah, they're gut punches. Yeah, but reminders different of, ways. Yeah. yeah, good reminders for us all. Truly, moving forward because the, the world's in a strange place right now. Mm. Um, we've been here before, unfortunately, but the fact that it's 2019, we're yeah. seeing repeats of a lot of stuff is, is sad. So watch those two, everybody. 
Man, you really brought the mood down with that. Yeah. <laughs> I know, <laughs> right? Um, and, and, and enjoy and yourself too. Eat candy dance sometimes. Like and dance. Watching. Dance like, yeah. <laughs> dance, dance like Ellen. So tell, oh, what? So tell the people, uh, where can they catch you? Where can they see you on social media? Where can they watch you and your next moves? Really kind of you. At underscore Brandon underscore Bell is my handle for Twitter, Instagram. Don't post a lot, but hopefully when I do post... You appreciate the thoughtfulness behind it. Um, Traders is on Netflix. It's a 1945 post-WW2 spy thriller drama. Um, And season three of Netflix is online. They're both on Netflix, so go ahead and... Dear white people. Dear white people, go ahead and binge, you know. Maybe give yourself a little break. Go get some food, stretch the legs. Yeah, uh, drink some water. Yeah, 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 and um, hopefully some projects to announce soon, man. Real soon. Nice. So, uh, follow him on social media. Go on your Netflix. Change your icon to his face. Hilarious. And then watch all of his shows. Brandon Bell, this has been a pleasure. Thank you so much. This was fun, man. This is real fun. Thanks for having me. Okay, that is our show, man. What a great way to start off season two. Thanks again to my guest, Brandon Bell, and thank you, my pod classmates, for listening. If you would be so kind, please go right to the pod class homepage on whatever platform you use to listen to the show and leave a five-star rating. Five stars only, please. Also, don't forget to come back next time for my first mini-pod of season two, where I talk about the most imminent threat to public education. Believe it or not, it's not Betsy DeVos. It's the 2020 census. Until then... You can get in touch with me on all forms of social media under the username at TeachMeMrWest, or you can email your listener questions to podclasspod, that's podclasspod at gmail.com. That's all for today. Podclass dismissed.